The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Listen, we stuff this podcast with ads like Jonathan Sullivan used to stuff his face with hot dogs during the pregame for Saints games. If you don't like the ads, sign up and become a patron today. Patrons get access to this podcast ad-free. No ads ever. And they get the Booze Bundle welcome box Four swag items, amazing, and a Saints player card, and you get access to the Discord channel. Why wouldn't you do it? It's 10 bucks. You're practically making money. So do it today. Go to SaintsHappyHour.com and sign up to become a patron. That's SaintsHappyHour.com. This is Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. What's with this Saints happy cast? This has to be the worst Saints podcast in the world. Ralph can't say anyone's name right. Andrew doesn't know football. Everyone has a hard time listening to Dave. And is Kevin even there tonight? The audio with this podcast, my God, the audio, it's its painful. All right, everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. We have another huge guest that we have wrangled for your listening pleasure. Uh, Jameis, one of one who is, I did not know existed, but Dave is a huge fan of Pardon My Take. And he explained to us that Jameis 101 had written a book, a very well-researched book, a very lengthy book, a very well-done book, that he had written a book sort of defending Jameis, saying he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. We talked about it on the podcast. Jameis 101 one of one found out about it, reached out to me on Twitter, said, hey, I love to t- talk about the book. I'm up for it. Let's chat about it. I was like, hey, man, let's do it. So we got him on the podcast. But when, we just, when, we, when I found out we got him on the podcast, Dave said, I'm buying the book so we can research. So Dave has come to the, to the show, Jameis 101. He is prepared. He has notes. He's like a presidential debate moderator. He is ready to go. So Dave, the floor uh, – well, Jameis 101, thanks for joining us first. My pleasure, fellas. My pleasure. <laughs> you put a lot of pressure on me, Ralph. I'm not, doing, I'm, not, I'm not doing this interview by myself. No, you kind of are. Uh, no, but, but Ralph's right. Uh, I, did, I, did, I, I bought the book. I don't know how much you, you get when somebody buys uh, the book on Amazon, but uh, you got some from me. And, Very cool. And... Um, I read it pretty much cover to cover. I didn't necessarily read it in order. Uh, I thought it was a, a, you know, it's it's not something I think you have to read in order. But um, but before we even get into all that, I kind of just wanted to, uh, you kind of go into your personal life a little bit, especially at the beginning of the book. Um, that's one of the things I think you did well is you you do lay out. Um, I enjoyed it because I'm sort of a analytical, uh, very oriented you know, detail-oriented uh, person. And um, so, I mean, you spend a lot of the book kind of laying everything out um, and answering questions that you know are going to come up uh, before they even come up. And, um, but, uh, so you, you say you're not from America and you don't, you weren't born in America, you don't live in America, you don't 
have any political uh, affiliation with anything in America yet. In any interview I've ever heard you do, and I'm listening to you now, you don't have any kind of what I would deem a foreign accent. Can we assume that you're from Canada? Well, I do have a home in Canada. I also still have a home in America. I also have a home in another country. So, um, you know, where I say in the book that I wasn't born in America, I don't live in America. That's true. Uh, I do still that's have like a home there. The and I have spent, you know, some time there. You okay. sound like you are from the Florida Georgia line. Like, you <laughs> like you've been to a lot of cocktail parties, Florida and Georgia football games. Like, I'm just going to say that. So, um, and you are, so for those of you, people that don't know, you are a biblical theologian. Is that, is that correct? Am I pronouncing that correct? Yes, yes. I mean, amongst other things, but yes. Well, well first of all, what does a biblical theologian do, and what are the other things that you do? <laughs> well, a, a theologian, you know, it's simply the study of theology, which people would define as the study of God. Um, so I hold advanced degrees in theology, um, you know, and I've done a lot of Christian writing. A lot of ghostwriting is, is really what I do because I'm, I'm just extremely private, and I've always been that way. You know, that's one of the things I'm asked all the time is, you know, why don't I use my real name? And there is part of it that has to do with Jameis, but there's also just part of it that I'm just an extremely private person. Um, and as far as what else I do, you know, I run various businesses. Um, I invest in a, in a great number of things from, you know, real estate to artwork to, you know, all sorts of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just kind of dabble. <laughs> are you, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, I mean, are you, are you, are you well set with money? I mean, are you financially, you know, uh, you know, since you mentioned all these other things, it sounds like you're doing pretty well. Could you, could you say that? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm okay. well off. I, I had a uh, another uh, New Orleans uh, media member. He he contacted me the other day through DMs. Um, you know, I won't say his name because uh, I don't have permission to. <laughs> but he he contacted me through DMs and he said, um, you know, I'd like to buy a copy of your book. Uh, in what way will you get the most money? And I said, uh, I said, brother, you know, that's that's a that's a very nice question, but I honestly don't care. I mean, I didn't write the book, you know, to make money. Um, right. Well, that's a good write a book like this anyways to to make money. Did did his name rhyme with Betcher Backle? (laughs) My my name? No. No, no. The the New Orleans media member. (laughs) Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. (laughs) Um, No, that's actually a good segue um, because, you know, you mentioned in the book that you published this yourself. You, You shopped it around. You tried to get people to publish it. You could not find anybody. Uh, and you said, uh, almost, and I quote, you felt called by God to, uh, to write this book. And so you just went ahead and did it. Uh, is that, is that a correct statement? Yeah. I mean, you know, the way you put it, most people listening to that will think it's a little strange, but I mean, as a theologian, you know, my life is God. Um, yes, I love football. Yes. I like making money, all that stuff. I love my family, but my life revolves around God. So whatever I do, you know, I, I try to do that, you know, to his glory. Do I make an idiot of myself sometimes? Sure. You know, I mess up, but, um, yeah, I, I felt that the book was needed. And so, um, you know, when publishers said, you know, the book is saleable, it's well-written, but we're not publishing a book on Jameis Winston. I mean, that just, that just really struck me the wrong way because, you know, there's books out there about OJ, there's books out there about Lenny Dykstra, there's books out there about all sorts of people. And you're going to tell me you're not going to publish a book on Jameis? That's ridiculous. So I did feel, um, you know, that it was important to, to get the book out there. So I did it myself. 
And you said in your book, you said you wrote it after your kids went to bed at 11 o'clock at night till seven in the morning. That was the time that you would be spending, that you were writing this book. You, you did this through some health, personal health scares with you and your wife. You did this through some kind of family financial scam that screwed you out of some money. Uh, you felt so strongly about getting this book written about Jameis Winston. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. And, and, and battling Jameis Winston derangement syndrome that you wrote it through all of that, right? He's more yeah, dedicated. Yeah. He's been more dedicated to this book than the listeners are, and we are to anything in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take you to write it? Uh, well, I mean, as far as you know, just writing, it, it's kind of hard to say because a lot of it was stuff I had already compiled. Um, I just have a lot of information on quarterbacks, anyway. So a lot of it was was sort of putting it together, and then you know, making it an actual book. Um, I listened to the to the uh, show that you guys did the other day where it was it was saying well maybe it's just text put together or uh, or you know um, tweets but it's nothing like that I mean it's it's no, a it's, uh, it's a very no. well written book. It, Dave got into it Jameis one on one and he's like this is amazing I, he's like tweeting us facts from it and he's like this this book is amazing I can't put it down and he read it in like two days well I think the well <laughs> I was getting a kick just out of the personal stuff I got a laugh out of you saying you invested. A, half of your life savings in Kobe Bryant rookie cards. Uh, and I'm assuming that worked out well for you. Oh, it yeah, did that, work that, out. You, you said it did work. You said you bought your first house. With that. I did. I paid cash for my first house uh, off Kobe. <laughs> so, yeah, Kobe Kobe's my favorite athlete of all time. And, um, and of course, I, you know, I had, I had a lot of money left over. I ended up reinvesting in LeBron. From, I went from Kobe to LeBron and made a 600% ROI on LeBron. So, uh, yeah, I love LeBron, too. <laughs> So that kind of leads me to my next question. So you're, you're, the name that you go by is Jameis One of One, which I believe has, is a reference to uh, trading cards. You, I think you said in the book that you own, was it 13? You own 13 different uh, individually unique Jameis Winston rookie cards. There's only one of them. Uh, is that correct? I, I did. I did. I, I sold them quite a while back. But yes, you did, did sell them. Yes. Oh. 
Well, what, that, does that mean that you don't have faith that Jameis Winston is going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback anymore and you got out? Uh, no, no, not, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. Market, baby. We yeah, that's right. Um, did you, and you wrote this book, uh, you wrote this book after the 2018, so before last season. Um, so that's my first question, really, to get into the nuts and bolts of it. Um, do you, does last season, you know, obviously he threw, I think he threw for more than 5,000 yards, but he also threw for the 30 touch, 30 interceptions. Um, does last season's performance uh, affect anything that you, or, or, or change, uh, you know, your book at all, or, or the fact that you wrote that book? No. Um, you know, when people will bring up 2019, I mean, the first thing is that my book is, yes, it's based on his first four years. It compares, you know, his first four years with the first four years of all other Super Bowl era Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So the book's irrefutable and it always will be, you know, if Jameis suffers a career and an injury in training camp this year, it doesn't change anything that's in the book. There, you know, nobody can refute a page in the book. Um, as far as like my personal views on Jameis based on 2019, no, they haven't changed at all. Um, I honestly, I mean, I just was tweeting today about, uh, you know, the Saints. To me, it does have the feel of a, of a Montana passing the torch to Young, of a far <laughs> passing it to Rogers feel to it. Um, I love Breeze. You know, I, I've defended Breeze for many years, too. And I, I still remember, you know, when he was a Charger and people just ripping him and saying he was garbage and he'd never amount to anything. And they benched him for five games for Doug Flutie. And there was an article written about how he was the so-called franchise quarterback. I mean, the media kind of kind of went after him too. And um, I defended Breeze back then because I, I watched him at Purdue. And uh, I knew he had a lot of talent. You know, he was in sort of a strange system for him with the Chargers anyways. Um, but I, I just see that Jameis now is in a, a fantastic place uh, mentally, physically. You know, he was beat to heck in Tampa. I mean, you're talking five years of just getting obliterated back there behind that offensive line. He had menis he, he, he played last year on a torn meniscus. He played with a broken throwing hand. Um, you know, they completely, the, the front office of Tampa completely botched his severe shoulder injury in 2017. Um, I mean, he's, he's loving New Orleans, and, and I'm very happy for him. As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there's no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to be in on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Well, that's an interesting thing that I thought was interesting as I did. I didn't read as much of the book as Dave has, but the research I did on you and you, you said that, look, Tampa is a poorly run organization and they have sort of issues and that sort of thing my thing with with winston is and i want you to address it is i feel like the media in, in your defense they do have a little bit of the derangement there uh derangement with him but the thing that makes it that way is his off the field stuff whether it's good or bad it's sort of like when bomani jones came on this podcast he, he mentioned 
uh, Ben Roethlisberger, how his off the field stuff, it's always there. And the media will always grab it like a hammer and hit him over the head. And they, they always want to do it. Right. Um, how much does his off the field stuff for you factor into the derangement, uh, the derangement of him, the media hate him, fans hate him, that they don't respect him enough. How much does his off-the-field stuff play into how he's perceived, do you think? Well, I mean, it's hard to tell without going into, you know, specifics on individual media members. Um, and, I, and I could do that because I know quite a few of them, but I'm, I'm not going to do that now. But I'm sure that there are some, that, you know, that just automatically don't like him and they, they write hit pieces because of that. But what I saw a lot of times was – you know, just national media harping on on-field stuff that, that really didn't have a connection and they never themselves made that connection. And that bothered me more than anything. Um, the off-field stuff, I mean, I deal with it extensively in the book, everything. I mean, from the squirrel, the squirrel thing at Florida State, I mean, I deal with everything. And um, I, don't, I don't have a problem answering any questions about that because, um, you know, I mean, he's a young man that's never been arrested in his life, let alone convicted of a crime, ever. You know, plenty of NFL NFLers have, plenty of quarterbacks have, you know, two past Tampa Bay quarterbacks were, you know, and the media didn't have any issues with them. So Jameis is, is the kind of young man. Another thing a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, they look at LeBron and they look at Kobe, they look at some of these phenoms, and it, it's very easy to pick them out in, in basketball because they come around a lot. Zion's another one. They don't come around very often in the NFL. In fact, almost never. Patrick Mahomes was not a phenom. You know, Jameis Winston, he's the only guy that was the number one overall quarterback coming out of high school. You know, he won a Heisman as a freshman. He won a national title. He was the number one overall pick, the Elite 11 MVP. He's been the man at every single level. And yeah. so Jameis is used to dealing with hate. And even before any of these so-called issues off field at Florida State, he was dealing with it in Alabama as a high school kid. You know, there were parents that organized a meeting to try to get him banned from playing both football and baseball at the same time. That's never, ever talked about, but that happened. There, I mean, he got death threats when he chose Florida State over Alabama or Auburn. So he's been dealing with this kind of nonsense from way before even Florida State. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, so... I wanted to get into like, you know, the, the meat and potatoes. I, I know a lot of people uh, like to argue with you. Um, you know, they think that you're crazy. And, um, uh, you know, there were things about the book uh, that I thought were great. I mean, I, I agree with you on you had a whole chapter about QB wins. And, you know, it's not fair to judge a quarterback, you know, just by his, uh, you know, how many Super Bowls he has or, and, and, you know, as a Drew Brees fan, obviously, I, uh, I wholeheartedly agree with that because I think he gets uh, uh, shafted all the time only because, because he's only won one uh, Super Bowl. But, um, and, uh, you know, I agree with you, you know, like we were just talking about, he's been a polarizing player, you know, like you noted, uh, you know, the, the morning after the draft, the headline in Tampa Bay is love him or hate him, you know, he's a buck. Uh, and it's like, you know, what kind of welcome is that to your number one overall draft pick quarterback future of the franchise? And, you know, you can't even 
give him 100% love. It's, it's bizarre. I mean, I, that's what was surprising to me is that I, I just assumed that he's a Florida state guy, like Tampa Bay people loved him. And then when I got into your book, I was like, what? That, like, that would have been that. I mean, imagine like if Joe Burrow got drafted by the saints and they were like, eh, I don't know. You might like it. You might not like it, but Hey, he's a saint. So deal with it. I mean, who, who the fuck would say that? Nobody would ever say that. Uh, right, so right. so it, it's, it's, it is, I, I agree with you on all that. Um, but I, I have just the way that you decide that you d- decided to, you know, all, all of the stats that you pull up, everything's accurate. There's, you know, there's no lies. They're all, you know, it's all above board. Um, but I feel like, you know, you compare basically the crux of the book, the, the meat and potatoes, the numbers part of it is you compare him to t- 21 Hall of Fame quarterbacks or soon to be Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Now, one, we, we could argue about Eli Manning, whether he should have been on your list or not. But, <laughs> but, but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll just move on. But um, uh, and I think that's all well and good. And, and basically your numbers say that through the first four years of Jameis Winston's career, he is putting up. Um, equal to, if not better numbers than all of these guys who are currently in the Hall of Fame. And, and you are absolutely right. Nobody could dispute that. But my thing is, and, and, and you also, my, my thing is, uh, is you don't compare him to the quarterbacks that are his contemporaries that he's playing with now. Um, and I mean, you've got guys like uh, Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, who have all put up in their first two years, three years, four years, they've all put up similar numbers to, to Jameis. And I think that's the problem. I think that's the only problem with the, uh, you know, with the argument that you present is that I don't know if Jameis – I don't know if the numbers that Jameis is putting up, yes, compared to those guys from back then, they were, they're, they're very good. But, but nowadays, I don't know if they're as impressive. And he's, when he goes to the Hall of Fame, uh, if he's going to be up for Hall of Fame, he's going to have to go up against those guys. And all those guys are putting up similar numbers without the interceptions and the turnovers. Okay. Um, I would say that, you know, if the book only focused on counting stats, I'd agree with you. But that's one of the reasons that the book focuses so heavily on era-adjusted data. Um, Because when you era-adjust data, it really doesn't matter what era you're comparing quarterbacks with. For example, if Jameis, you know, finishes number one in passing yards in 2019, that is equivalent to a quarterback finishing number one in passing yards in 1972, 1968, 1984, no matter what that number is. So, for example, Jameis threw for 5109 this year. Now, if you, you know, go back to, say, 1971-72, I imagine the, the guy was in the 3,000s, right? But still, they both finished number one. So Jameis didn't have a better year than that guy in 1972, even though his number is higher. They still each finished number one in their category. So that's what I do in the book as well. So if I were just talking about counting stats, I'd agree with you 100%, because you can make a case that, you know, for example, Jay Cutler is better than Joe Montana if you only look at counting stats. But if you era adjust the data and you look at where they finished in comparison to their contemporaries, and then you compare the eras, there's a massive difference, of course, between Joe Montana and Jay Cutler. And so that's what I do with Jameis, and it'll, it'll weigh itself out. 
And so I would say, you know, you said that um, the book says that he's equal to or better than all the Hall of Famers. Um, not exactly, because, you know, in the book, Dan Marino still looks like a quarterback god. That's he, right. He that's, see, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, if, if you proved anything in your book, it's that Dan Marino was just <laughs> so fucking amazing and yeah. beyond anything that anybody ever did and still ever does, I guess, uh, other than win a Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I, he, he's, 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 Dan Marino absolutely stood out in everything that you put together in the book, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, and that was just because I just took the data and then just plugged it in. So, you know, it wasn't like I was trying to help Dan, but yeah, I mean, my book could have a subtitle, Dan Marino is a quarterback God, because, you know, in, in all the things right. that I looked at and all the metrics, he does come out just, just blowing people away. So Jameis, you know, sometimes he'll be at the very top of those 21 other quarterbacks. Sometimes he'll be towards the bottom. Sometimes he'll be right in the middle, but um, I don't think anybody can read the book and then, you know, look at that with the air adjusted data and and not understand he absolutely does fit in he is comparable with those guys he's not Jamarcus Russell he's not Mitch Trubisky he isn't one of these guys I don't think he's no I mean that's the thing is I, I don't think that he's on that same level as Trubisky and all those guys I definitely think he can be uh he should be included when you're talking you know when you're talking about uh you know Goff and uh Prescott and you know Mahomes and all that but I, I guess, but going back to what we're talking about, well, I mean, but, okay, like, uh, uh, let's see here. Well, quarterback. I mean, Patrick, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, Goff, and Andrew Luck, they all threw for more yards in their first two seasons. Deshaun Watson was very close. Uh, Mahomes, Prescott, Goff, Watson, Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson, uh, they all have better completion percentages and passer ratings. Uh, well, Mahomes, well, well, hold, hold on there. I, I got to stop because um... – that, that's not true. Jared Goff was a bum as a, as a rookie, and uh, Patrick Mahomes sat on the sideline holding the clipboard. So they didn't come close to Jameis's numbers in their first two years. Well, you're, you're correct. Well, I, I guess, well, I'm taking, I'm taking their, their first full seasons because I thought that that's what your stats were based on. I thought you were taking their first two full seasons as a starter, as QB1 is what I thought you had said in the book. Yeah, well, in, in the book, I compare both by age and by season. So there's, right. there's some data, you know, that will go from your first season, whether you're starting or not. And then there's also just from your first season as a starter. Right. Um, you know, for, that's what I was, for example, that's what Jameis, I was talking about. Yeah. For example, Jameis is, is number one uh, all time in career passing yards through the age of 25. But, you know, there is uh, Manning. Peyton Manning's ahead of him through five seasons. You know, Jameis had an injury, this and that. Um, so there is, you know, a discrepancy between age and, and years. And so the book deals with both. But what I was, well, what I, where I was going was, but so all these guys have similar numbers. They're in the same ballpark as Jameis. Wouldn't those, if you adjusted for error, wouldn't those also be just as good as Jameis's? Wouldn't they get the same adjustment? Well, Mahomes for sure. Mahomes yeah. for sure. I mean, he, he isn't in the book because really, you know, he hadn't done anything yet when I started writing. Right. And then he had his MVP season. Sure. So if I, if I write another edition, um, well, it, it depends whether, you know, how this year go. I, I know Nick Wright says that if Patrick Mahomes were to retire right now, he'd be a Hall of Famer. I don't agree with that. Um, Patrick Mahomes' uh, resume is basically identical to Joe Theismann's, and I would encourage people to look that up. Um, they have the same sort of resume and accolades, and Joe Theismann, of course, has never gotten into the Hall of Fame. So I don't think if Mahomes retired today, he'd be a Hall of Famer. I think he needs to do a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not Well, the thing is, though, it, it kind of – if Mahomes, if he retired today, it'd probably be like Gail Sayers, and it have it have some sort of tragic reason. And I think, right, he, right. I, think he would, I think he would get in. But that's the thing, 
that's the thing with the hall of fame in football. It's so different than other sports. Cause it's like 40 guys that vote. Um, but I'm interested in the stuff you talked about, the, the shoulder injury, the fans not embracing James. Why in Tampa did, did they not embrace? I mean, I know he's, fr- I know he's frustrating and I've watched him. He throws picks and you, and you get frustrated with him. And it's not just his fault, maybe, but he is, he does a lot of, Oh my God, Jameis, what are you doing? And then it, sometimes it works out. And a lot of times when you play the Saints, you'd be like, Oh my God, what are you doing? LOL. Marcus Williams has a 60 yard touchdown return for uh, a, a, a interception return for a touchdown. So why didn't, the Tampa fans embrace him in a way that we would expect them to. Well, even before the 2015 draft, and, and I was tweeting about this with a Bengals fan. I had some Bengals fans just freaking out on me the other day about Burrow. Um, and because I said that, you know, if I was advising Burrow, I would have advised him to play the John Elway card, to play the Eli Manning card and to refuse to go to Cincinnati. I would have had him pull a power play and try to force his way to a better organization. And Bengals fans, you know, melted down. And I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not crushing Burrow at all. And I'm not necessarily crushing your organization because I'd say the same thing about Jacksonville and a few other places. Um, and I said, you know, for example, Jameis, I did not want him to be a Buccaneer. In fact, one of the things I, I used to say was anywhere but Florida. And what <laughs> I meant was anywhere but Tampa, Miami, or Jacksonville. Because Jameis – being a Heisman winning national title winning quarterback for the Seminoles, he had Gators fans hating him. He had Hurricanes fans hating him. He basically had everybody that wasn't Seminole fans in Florida hating him. Then you're also going into a state with three professional teams. So you've got two thirds of the state already hating you on an NFL level, all Dolphins fans and all Jaguar fans. So Jameis was in a very weird situation where he was too good for the Bucs to pass on. And yet they did have offers from other teams to trade up. And I really wish they would have. I wish that, you know, he somehow could have got it, got himself to Tennessee because it's a better run organization. They actually know what they're doing there. Um, and, you know, it, it's just the way it fell, though. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Jameis, you know, is happy with how things turned out and is happy to be in, in New Orleans now and stuff like that. But back then I did. I said anywhere but Florida. And, um, and I really feel like he got a raw deal, you know, being a buck. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Dave. So I'm going to go back. Uh, you know, Ralph wants to talk about all the off the field fluffy shit. I want to get back to some of the numbers. Uh, well, I mean, I just because I know I know our listeners. You know, I think the turnover thing is one of the big Jameis Winston hater things. I mean, they like to point to the turnovers, and obviously, you discuss that. You have a whole chapter about it. Um, you started the chapter with a quote from, or two quotes from Bruce Arians. How come, how come you, you quoted Bruce Arians? Well, he had just taken the job, you know, and um, when he gave an interview, uh, he was still retired, but he gave an interview and he talked about how he'd take the Cleveland job. And right then I came out and I tweeted, if light offers Arians the job, he'll take it in Tampa. And everybody flipped out, said, you're an idiot. You know, he only spoke about the Cleveland job. I said, that's coach speak. They're not going to talk about another man's job. Dirk Cutter hasn't been fired yet. But I'm telling you, if Jason Light offers him the job, he'll take it because of Jameis. And, of course, you know, that's what happened. So I really just included those tweets because Bruce was going to be the next coach. (laughs) Um, So basically your defense of Winston – 
and the turnovers, you kind of came up with your own formula and you took interceptions plus fumbles, minus fumbles recovered. Uh, and you divided that by total basically times that Winston touches the ball. And that gives you a number. And once again, you know, you compared that to uh, the 21 great hall of fame or soon to be hall of fame quarterbacks. Um, and obviously when you did that uh, in that case, he comes up looking pretty good. And you know, I got to admit that was kind of surprising. Uh, I didn't really, I guess it was kind of surprising to learn that uh, I guess Peyton Manning turned the ball over a good bit in his first uh, three or four years, which I, I didn't know about, but um I don't like uh, math, Dave. This is hurting. but then you also, uh, but then you also talk about you also you kind of uh, not blame you, uh, you know you explain away the turnovers because you note that Jameis throws a deeper ball than just about everybody in the league for you know most of that time. Uh, he was throwing, I think, his average pass was like over ten yards or whatever. Um, and, uh, and obviously you say, when you do that, you know, when you're a gunslinger, uh, you know, interceptions are going to happen. But, and, and first of all, you say that he was being asked to throw the ball deep a lot. Um, I thought that that was, right. I thought, I don't know, that was kind of a little bit, that's an assumption, I think. I mean, do, I mean, can you, can you prove that that's what the, the coaches were we're asking him to do. I mean, Bruce Arians is a guy who likes to air it out, but he didn't, but, but he, he, he joined in 2019 before you even had written the book. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's very common knowledge that Dirk Cutter's system was a vertical passing attack for Jameis and that Dirk Cutter loved to throw deep. Um, when you look at the, the, for example, like CAY, IAY, AYTS, some of the advanced metrics, Jameis is always towards the very top of the NFL and has been for years. You know, this isn't, this isn't something that was new with Arians. And really, you know, even in even in New Orleans where, um, you know, Drew Brees, and, and again, I'm, this isn't an insult, but he does dink him dunk down the field, you know, and that's not bad because it works perfectly for him. But if you look, you know, for example, just last year, um, average IAY, which is intended air yards, how far the ball is going. Mm -hmm. Jameis was second in the entire NFL. Right. Drew Brees was 36th. Sure. So, I mean, there's only 32 starting quarterbacks. Drew Brees was behind Duck Hodges, Case Keenum, <laughs> Joe Flacco. <laughs> And, and that's what I would expect. Well, yeah, I yeah exactly. Reached his arm for training camp this year, uh, since they only going to test for the Rona, I think he got his arm. It's a it's a pharmaceutical lab now. His arm is looking <laughs> thirty. But, but so so Jameis, what what I mean is that Jameis has that arm, you know, and and um, you guys are seeing that now just in training camp. I mean, he's, he's throwing seventy five yard bombs, you know. Well, we're not. And, unfortunately, we're not really seeing too much of it. That's. That's okay. uh, unfortunately, that's a, well, I mean, you know, we just, we don't get any, that's one of the biggest, honestly, we've talked about it before. That's one of the biggest disappointments of COVID this season and, and losing the preseason because we were going to get to see Jameis Winston yeah. lead, lead the Saints and play quarterback for the Saints, which was uh, going to be a delight and get to see what he can do. And oh, yeah, I saw him throw a, comp a, a bomb to Deontay yeah. Harris. Today. Yeah, we've seen, we've seen very little, unfortunately, because of, uh, you know, because of COVID. But we, yeah. we are hearing things, I guess. But I think, I think you know, even, even like with Sean Payton, what he'll see with Jameis, and I think you'll see it whether he installs him in packages this year or whether it comes in 2021, the system is going to change. And it's just every coach that has ever had Jameis, and I'm talking from Pop Warner on, you know, they see this kid and they're just like, oh, he's different. <laughs> we so can do this. Well, do you, think, so, do you think that's the wrong approach, though? Do you think he needs somebody like Peyton? Who, do you think he needs to be a more dink and dunk guy? 
Yeah, well, yeah, I do think it's the wrong approach. I think that the Bucks, um, they trusted Jameis too much. You know, he's a 21-year-old kid. He only played two years in college, and he even was splitting time with baseball when he was playing football. Um, he never he never had a full year, really, where he was just dedicated on football. And they draft him at 21, and they just, boom, throw him to the dogs and say, carry the team. And um, I think it's it's sort of an insane thing to do to any young quarterback. And that was my thing with Burrow, too, is I hope that they don't do that to him in Cincinnati. I hope they don't just say, hey, go throw the ball 40 times a game. That's ridiculous. How much? Um, so I think, I think Peyton will be wonderful for Jameis. I, I really do. I think he'll, he'll use what he does best. He'll get him on rollouts. He'll have him attack the you know, intermediate areas of the field, which Jameis is masterful on, um, and not just you know, call for deep shots and have him carry a team. No quarterback carries a team to victory. You know, a lot of fans think they do. They don't. Even Marino, who was a quarterback god, People completely forget how good that Dolphins defense was in, in Marino's second year when they went to the Super Bowl. That Dolphins defense was magnificent. And I'd ask everybody, you know, go to Pro Football Reference and look it up. Um, and people just think, you know, because Marino threw for, you know, 4,800 yards, first guy ever. But no quarterback carries a team, not in the NFL. It's impossible. They only play 50% of the game. So it's, it's just impossible. They don't play defense. They don't play special teams. Here's my question. You know, and I your next book, you need to write a book about why Tampa felt the need to fire Lovey Smith because they were worried Dirk Cutter was going to leave. You know, Dave got into it a little bit, but how much of it, how much of Jameis's struggles in Tampa, in your opinion, is the total dysfunction of the franchise? Oh, an enormous, enormous part. Um, and, and you do bring up a good point there. I know a lot of Bucks fans, didn't necessarily like Lovey because he, he came from Chicago with a Super Bowl pedigree. You know, he took Rex Grossman to the Super Bowl. They didn't win, but he got there. And they were just expecting, you know, immediate change. But Jameis loved Lovey Smith. And Lovey Smith loved Jameis. They had a fantastic connection. There was no reason that Dirk Cutter should have ever got that job. He, he was a nobody. He, he had no experience whatsoever as an NFL head coach. And he didn't even necessarily want Jameis. He was kind of a Mariota guy in the draft. Lovey Smith was in love with Jameis and for them to move on and, and bring Cutter in there who had ever only been a college coach. and wasn't even very successful at that. It didn't make any sense. Um, there's a, there's a fella in Tampa that has a little, um, a YouTube channel that, you know, he goes into it and he says that it was, it was designed to make Jameis fail. And the whole thing was this massive experiment. I don't buy that. I'm not, I'm not really into the, the conspiracy theory view. Of wait, that. wait, wait. I love, but, wait, 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 get into that. I, 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 uh, gonna, this is going to cut off in three minutes here. No, no, I, I added more time. We're good. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I love conspiracies. What's what's? This, what's this? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I don't mind. I don't mind conspiracies as long as as I think they're logical and and they make more sense. You know, sort of than the party line. Um, no, I like them to be wild. The bet, the wilder, the better. <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah. Cutter didn't deserve the job. I, to me, it just boiled down to organizational ineptitude, and. You know, I kind of, I kind of like Jason Light. I, I know he tries hard. Arians is the opposite. Arians is sort of a lazy diva coach. He, he doesn't try that hard. Um, Jimmy Johnson even spoke on that. How you know, you know, if you're hiring Arians, you're not going to get a guy who's going to stay in the office. So, but Jason Light tries hard. Um, That's my he just, on Brady. He, he I just wasn't Brady wanted to go to Tampa because he's tired of Belichick working his working his behind off, and the Patriots are so serious. I think part of the reason Tom Brady went to Tampa is he's like. Bruce Arians is fun. I want to yeah. have fun. 
Like yeah. and you could say that's good or bad, but after like 20 years of dealing with Belichick, like I totally get Brady is like, I just want to <laughs> hang out in Tampa, have a cool coach. Like this seems amazing, you know, but I digress. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I do think a lot of it boils down to just organizational ineptitude. Um, this is the organization that I've said it before. Really, they should just draft quarterbacks for other teams because they drafted Steve Young and had no idea what to do with him. Almost destroyed his career, but they traded him to to uh, San Francisco. He turns into a Hall of Famer and a Super Bowl winner. You know, they drafted Doug Williams. They didn't know what to do with him. They almost destroyed his career. He goes to Washington, wins Super Bowl MVP. They drafted Trent Dilfer. He looked like the worst quarterback in the history of football, like a Nathan Peterman. And then he ends up in Baltimore and wins the Super Bowl with them and, uh, you know, rattles off a ton of wins in a row. So Tampa is, is good at drafting quarterbacks. They just don't know what to do with them when they have them. So I'm, I'm very happy that Jameis is now with a real organization. You forgot Vinny Testaverde and Chris Chandler, too. Yeah. <laughs> do you – I mean, do you really think that, just in your own personal opinion, uh, do you think that – that Peyton is planning to, to, to move to Winston uh, and have Winston be the heir apparent to Drew Brees? Yes, yes. Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, right when the signing happened, I talked about it about two weeks beforehand. Um, I, I did an interview, and, and somebody was asking me, you know, where's Jameis going, where's Jameis going? And I said, I don't have the green light to talk, you know, exactly on that. But I'll tell you what, New Orleans is a beautiful situation. And they're like, well, what about Brees? And I said, this is about the future. This isn't about now. Jameis – He's not Teddy Bridgewater. He isn't a guy who had only made seven, eight million dollars in his career. Jameis has made almost fifty million dollars. You know, he just turned twenty-six years old. He's got all the time in the world in his mind. There's nothing wrong with taking a year to learn from Breeze and to get with Peyton. When I mean, he's he got had, 10 to he had, left. he had other offers for more money, didn't he? He yeah. did. The, the Steelers offered more money. Um, of course, you know they'll say they did it to sort of keep Big Ben happy. Um, but I, I destroyed Mark Madden, the Sirius XM guy. Uh, on that issue and the Jaguars also came hard and um, and I didn't say a word about that because sort of like the same reason Arians didn't talk about Tampa's job Minshew's there I've got no no issue with him and I didn't want to throw him under the bus but after ESPN's Diane Rossini came out and, and mentioned that that Jameis's camp told Jacksonville you can't pay us enough to sign with you <laughs> then I did talk about it <laughs> he's like it's like uh it, you know, it's like a clowny. The, the Browns offered him like $64 million and, and I said, I respect, I respect Clowney's decision not to go to Cleveland. I respect Jameis not wanting to go to Jacksonville. Who wants to go to Jacksonville? Right, right. <laughs> oh, my God. Men, start taking notes because Manscaped accidents are finally a thing of the past. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. This is their third generation trimmer featuring advanced skin safe technology so you keep your bad boys nice and smooth. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And they spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower. 3.0. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water resistant technology allows you to shave in the shower too. Oh, one of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. 
And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. You need to try this out yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code armchair. Your balls will thank you. But here's the, here's the thing in, in that you talk about Jameis. He, is he, he's betting on himself. When you look at Jameis, obviously you wrote this book. What do you think the, the, if you said – the one thing that he's got to get better at, or he's not going to be a successful quarterback, he's not going to win, he's not going to get the, the the accolades and stuff he deserves. What do you think is the one thing that he's got to change? I would say, you know, to trust his teammates more and himself a little bit less. I, I look at him as having sort of the exact same mental makeup as Favre to where you know, he thinks he can make every single play a touchdown, every single play work. And, you know, nowadays, you know, possessing the ball, keeping the chains moving, you know, Breeze is a master at that. You know, just throw it away. Just just get down, take a sack, those types of things. Because Jameis, he does. He, he trusts his arm, and there's no reason not to. It's, it's magnificent. He trusts his athleticism. And I think, I think you know, if, if Peyton uses him in certain packages, you'll see Jameis is actually very athletic. It's, it's something a lot of people don't know about but he was the number one dual threat quarterback coming out of high school too. And if you go back and watch some of his high school highlights, he looks like Vince Young. I mean, he's, he's just all running all over the field. And Jameis worked with an Olympian uh, sprinter this year, you know, to get ready. And he's in the best shape of his life. So, um, but in Tampa, you know, and both Arians and Cutter, they both talked about the Superman complex with Jameis. And a lot of it is, you know, he was playing behind a bad offensive line with absolutely no run game for the last four years. I mean, none. Jameis led the team in rushing many times. And, um, and that's, you know, that wasn't his thing. He was, he was supposed to be a pocket passer there. But I think now that he's on a, a team, a, a real true team that is really functional on all levels, I mean, there, there really isn't a weak, a, uh, a weak link that I see as far as the roster goes in, uh, for the Saints. I think if, if he can just learn to trust his teammates more himself less, uh, not try to do too much, I think that's really the, the ticket for him. I mean, he has all the intangibles. He has all the, uh, the physical ability. Um, you know, just realize that you don't have to be the man. Not just every game, but every play. You don't have to be the man on every play. So, so Dave, what, what, other, what other questions do you have from the book? Are you, you muted yourself, Dave. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't have anything necessarily from the book, but uh, – I've been pretty vocal on this podcast uh, the last few months or since they signed Jameis. Uh, I've always, I'm a believer in Jameis, uh, mostly because of the LASIK eye surgery. Uh, (laughs) Can you, can you speak to that? I mean, do you think that that's, I I just, he had poor vision and he, he never wore anything corrective when he was out on the football field. And now he should have 2010 vision and I just, I think that's, that, that can't be, that, that can't go. Can't hurt anything. No, well, no, it can't hurt anything, but it, it can't go. It, it has to be, I just think it has to be talked about. I think that's, I think it's a bigger thing than people make of it. I don't know what, I don't know what your feelings are on it, Jameis 101. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's a, it's a very good thing. Um, you know, a lot of people asked me about it because um, I was one of the first persons to confirm that report, you know, that he had LASIK. Um, uh, a friend of mine, Corey Hayes, uh, he's with All Things Bucks. You know, he tweeted out a picture and then people were just wondering, are they sunglasses? Is it LASIK? You know, and, uh, and I said, no, it, it's LASIK. And um, how are you confirming? Do you have like, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, just are you, how, how are you, how do you, how are you so close to Jameis? I guess my question is. There, there is, there's no media member on earth that has better access than me. None. So for example, um, you know, I tweeted out that Jameis had meniscus surgery. The media in Tampa went nuts because none of them could confirm that that ever happened. The organization couldn't confirm that that ever happened. However, none of the media were going to call me a liar because they all knew I had better info than they did. And I had the whole time, you know, for, for a long time. So they didn't know what to do with it, but they were furious that I'm the one that tweeted it out. And they sort of made it sound like, well, maybe it didn't happen. Two weeks later, the ta- it's a funny story because the Tampa media then started calling everybody they could. I mean, I'm talking cousins and uncles and all sorts of family members trying to get confirmation. They got shut down by all of them. And, and I know that this is all going on and they're, they're talking to me and I'm cracking up about it. And two weeks later, it took Adam Schefter, you know, national media to say, Hey, yes, by the way, James really did get meniscus surgery back did then. Credit? Did Schefter give you credit? James? No, of course not. No, of course not. <laughs> and um, in fact, even the Tampa Bay times, uh, Rick Stroud, you know, he used to follow me and he used to pump me for information. He tried to get inside information and I would always shut him down. And I said, Rick, you know, I'm happy to talk with you and I'm happy to sort of help you be more ethical in the way that you report on Jameis, but I'm not feeding you information. And he got really mad at me and he ended up blocking me and flipping out. But, you know, he ran an article about the meniscus surgery and they sort of forced him to include a little byline at the bottom there saying that, you know, this is according to Jameis one of one, he reported it. Um, but what was funny was that for this two-week time period where nobody could figure out if the meniscus ever even happened, I was sitting on the rehab video. I had the video of the whole thing. And I was just not saying anything and letting everybody freak out. And then after it came out and Schefter said, yes, you really had meniscus surgery, I wrote an article, I published it, and I, and I gave the video to J.P. Peterson, who's a you – know, he won a couple Edward R. Murrow Awards uh, in Tampa, and he put the video on YouTube. And it was a video of Jameis in his rehab – in the exact same center where Drew Brees had his rehab, like 15 years ago. Oh, I saw that on YouTube. Yes, I didn't know, I didn't know the backstory to that video. Yep. And Jameis is sitting in front of a framed Drew Brees jersey. Yeah, I saw and that. It, it's, it's magnificent, you know. And so, um, yeah, the media had, had sort of a love-hate relationship with me in Tampa because I just, I just endeavored to keep them honest, you know, and I would both praise them and rip them. Do they know who they you are? Do they know who you are personally in real life or no? No, nobody knows who I am. I'm a ghost. I, and um, <laughs> I, I, did have, I did have a Tampa media, uh, Tampa Bay Times, which, you know, is their top thing. He got so mad because he got into a statistical debate with me on Twitter and I shredded him. He got so mad. He tried to dox me, you know, and I even had an agent get a hold of me and say, they're coming after you. They, they're paying people to figure out who you are. And I said, yeah, whatever. Let them try. What are they going to do? Show up at my door overseas? I don't care. You know? And, um, but I've also gotten into it with the Arians family. I mean, I took Bruce Arians' son uh, out to the woodshed and just gave him a spanking. Jake Arians, he used to play for the Bills. Um, he and I got into it because he was talking about how great the Gronk trade was. And I said, and I, I tweeted out, I said, um, yeah, something like trading for WW Gronk is not a great move when you've already got a loaded tight end room and an overpriced tight end room on a bad team. 
Why are you going to go get a $10 million wrestler to be a third tight end when you could have got Trent Williams, who they actually needed? Their, their offensive line was bad. And uh, Jake Arians got furious, you know, and he, he started swearing at me and told me to shut up and everything. And I spanked him good. And he ran away. And then I saw another tweet, and I thought it was him. So I kind of I kind of replied, you know, and if you follow me on Twitter, I never curse. I never act crazy. But I do have fun clowning clowns is, is how I put it. And so I saw a reply, and I just saw the name Arians. And so I quickly replied and gave a little spanking. And then I realized, oh, that's not Jake. That's his wife. That's Bruce's daughter-in-law. So, so I said, I said, Shelby, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. You know I love your father and, and the whole family. But And uh, she, ended up, she ended up liking the tweet and, and going away, you know, classy. But, um, yeah, I've got a, I've got a very uh, long sort of back-and-forth history with the Tampa media. Well, um, because we I might just, need to. We might I just need hated to the, the – What's that? No, I was going to say, we might need to make – Dave, we might need to make him our Jameis Winston correspondent. Right, that's Jameis right. Winston becomes the Saints starting quarterback next year. We have to make Jameis one of one, our, <laughs> our, our Winston correspondent, because clearly he's got the – he knows that he's in the know on Winston like no one else. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Fail Better. David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, 
propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. <laughs> and the, the, the Tampa media, you know, I just, I just endeavored to, to hold, you know, to keep them honest because, you know, sometimes they would write fair articles, but generally speaking, everything had a negative slant. Like, well, so wait, and- are you going to do that now in New Orleans? Are you going to start getting on the cases of uh, uh, Jeff Duncan? And uh, we got a lot of people to introduce you to, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I probably <laughs> will. Um, so so far, everybody everybody has seemed pretty cool, and the the media. Do you know? Do you uh, know Eric Paulson? I don't. I don't. I don't know that name actually. No, he's a jerk. No. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like, um, you know, I've I've talked with uh, uh, Ross Tucker, uh, Nick Underhill. You know, a lot of these guys have been Nick's very good. Nice. We like we like Nick. We're yeah, okay with yeah. we like Nick. Uh, Kyle Mosley, a couple other guys. But um, you know, in Tampa, just everything had a negative slant. I mean, even James could have a great game; they'd, they'd find a way to have a negative slant on it. And um, you know, for example, J- Jenna Lane is an ESPN reporter. She's the ESPN reporter that's meant to cover Tampa, and she literally took Bruce Arians words, changed them in a quote, put it out on ESPN, changed the entire quote, added a word, deleted a word to make it sound like Arians was ripping Winston. And then it became a talking point, you know, on the talking head shows. And so I've also gone back and forth with a lot of these guys on the talking head shows, Marcus Spears and Bobby Carpenter. And, you know, a lot of them, I've been blocked by a ton of them, Ryan Clark, Sarah Spain, you know, they can't, they can't deal with me. Um, I don't lose debates when it comes to James. They can't handle that. A lot of them. So, but this Jenna Lane, you know, she did that. And I kind of came after her and I said, you know, you can't misquote people. You know, you, you want to, you want to write an article with a slant. That's one thing, but you're going to flat out misquote a coach to get Jameis slandered. And she got, you know, really in her feelings, got all upset about that. But then two Tampa Bay Buccaneers employees came out and they just, they backed me and they said, no, you can't do that, Jenna. And she ended up reporting me to Twitter, you know, for harassment and getting all upset. And this is the same lady who, when Jameis Winston's first son was born, wrote an article and ended the article by just mentioning a whole bunch of Florida State nonsense. I mean, who does that in the the birth announcement article of somebody's firstborn son? You know, and then at the next game, she goes and gives Jameis's mama and fiance a hug and pretends nothing's wrong. I mean, the lady's a snake. So, yes, I, I hold media members accountable. Um, but so far, I, I, I've liked everybody in uh, in New Orleans. Media. I hope you fight with them all. I'm excited because <laughs> <laughs> I because I I don't fight with people, but I love 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 a good Twitter dragging. Like I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I, I Dave, I think I want Winston to be the Saints' starting quarterback 
more than I ever have in 2021. Like I might, might because of Jameis one one he might have convinced me. I I think I might want Winston over 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 uh, over Taysom. <laughs> You said it. You said it. I originated uh, that anyway. They didn't give me credit for it. But yeah. I don't, I, yeah, I mean, I, I would love it if, if we could, uh, you know, if we just slide Jameis in to where Drew Brees is, but we also, you know, continue to mix in Taysom Hill. Let's just keep it going. Um, all right. Well, I don't know about you, Ralph. I've got, I have one more question and that's it. And I go think I'm, I'm done. Um, He's way more time than we asked for. So, oh, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, well, he stays up till 7 a.m. writing books, so we're fine. Um, uh, the <laughs> 17 haikus that formed one single poem in your book, oh, yes. uh, I just have to know what, what, what was the inspiration there? Uh, you know, what were, what were you thinking? Well, I, yeah. I, like, I like poetry. I always have. Um, I also like rap. You know, Tupac's my guy. <laughs> um and so i mean i like writing poems uh I, I have published a couple books and and some i just write for myself you know but um it's just a creative outlet and so i just thought it'd be a fun way to sort of start the book um if, in a future edition you know i may remove that it, it might have been a one-time thing but i just thought it was kind of a fun creative way to, to sort of kick it off will you do haikus to slander new orleans media when they get <laughs> you might that's what the haikus were about they were like about media bias and everything there's 17 different no, haikus that's what i want i i might i might die of joy if he did a haiku against jeff duncan <laughs> just throwing that out james one okay. just just a, just just a tease you know but guy we can tell the people how to how to buy this book uh yeah promote yourself promote yourself. Oh, oh sure um paperback uh just go to amazon that's the best place to get place to get the paperback um uh, as far as the ebook it's basically everywhere it's uh barnes and noble apple nook kobo you know all, all of those things um also just my pinned tweet um at Jameis one of one on twitter there i think there's a link or maybe in my bio one of those um but yeah i mean it, it's it's a fun read and really honestly even if you don't like Jameis, it's a fun read as far as if you like quarterbacks because it does it'll compare you know the different hall of fame quarterbacks with each other too you know, and you can kind of see how John Elway would say compare with a guy like Ken Stabler. You know, if you're if you're a Raider fan or something like that. So a lot of people like it just for the quarterback comparisons. I have to say, this interview exceeded my expectations. I got more excited about Jameis Winston being a Saints quarterback. I got media slander that I always love, and I got Tampa Bay <laughs> Bucks slander, Dave. I got the trifecta of joy from this. So Jameis, one of one, we can't thank you enough. You thank gave you, us way you gave us way more time than we originally asked for. So I appreciate it, guy. Uh, thanks for joining us. Everybody, this has been a special interview for the Saints Happy Hour. We will see you again tomorrow.